Good morning. Will you stand and join us in our call to worship from Psalm 37? envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. Turn away from evil and do good, so, you, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice, he will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The Lord loves justice and has promised he will never forsake us. The Lord loves justice and has promised he will never
Let us pray. Father, we pray that as we gather here this morning, we may join with the psalmist and come into your courts with singing and with creation itself and making a joyful, your Lord, joyful noise unto you, our Lord. We ask this not because we are unaware of the war and strife that rage in so many nations, cities, and homes in this world, not because we are oblivious to this, the suffering that is wrought by disease on our bodies, our minds, and our souls, not because we have not seen how easy it is to look past people who the world deems worthless or felt the temptation to discount those for whom we have, we feel we have nothing to gain. Rather, it is precisely because we know all too well the times this week that we have trusted in our own strength, cleverness, and plans, or been bowed by the weight of the seemingly intractable problems that surround us that we need your presence. By the gentle, low whisper of your word, remind us that you, Lord, are God. It is you who made us, and we are your people, bound together as a family and blessed for the good of your body. Fill our hearts with thanksgiving that we may, that we may serve you with gladness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Children are dismissed for children's worship. We will now continue with a time of uh, confession. We'll do so first corporately, then through song, um, and then have a time for silent personal confession. Loving Father, search our hearts and show us the places where we need your forgiveness and your mercy. Remember, O oh Lord, your great mercy and love. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, O oh God.
please take a moment to confess your sins to the Lord. Father, we acknowledge that you are good, that your steadfast love endures forever, and your faithfulness to all generations. And it is in the grace of your unchanging character that we find our confidence and our rest. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand for the words of assurance. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Just as we have been welcomed, let us welcome one another.
shall be killed and all that is broken Old Testament lesson today is from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the New Testament reading is from Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's good to be here and worship with you. And thanks, Nicole, for reading the scriptures. And um, you'll see a note in your order that we're going to begin a, a new sermon series today uh, during the season of Easter tide between Easter and Pentecost. Uh, we're going to look at the second half of the Sermon on the Mount um, that Jesus is, gives that's recorded in Matthew. It's in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And um, you might recall, you might not, but back, <laughs> earlier in the year we looked at the first half of the Sermon on the Mount, and now uh, after Easter in light of the resurrection, we're going to look at the second. Um, but as we begin, it's helpful to kind of know the context of the Sermon on the Mount. Back in chapter 5, the way it opens, uh, Matthew writes, Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. He sat down, and his disciples came to him. And so right away, there's this question of what separates a disciple from the crowd. What separates a follower of Jesus from the crowds that were interested in him? And what we see is that when Jesus sat down, which was the cultural posture of a teacher, one who was going to speak to the people, 
It's his disciples that drew near. His disciples who were ready to listen. And this characteristic of listening is important for us. As we think about the resurrection of Jesus, one aspect of of reflecting on that is that we're told that Jesus was raised by God and given the name above all names. And part of that's meaning that he is the one that we are to listen to. That when Jesus speaks, he speaks words that are true, words of life, the words that we need. And so as we prepare to enter this series, it's good for us to think again about drawing near. Drawing near and being ready to listen to the one who has the words of life. And we'll hear in our passage in just a moment as we read that Jesus asks a series of questions, which is interesting, right? We're invited to listen. Then right away he asks a series of questions, which I think are meant to get us to think, to, to open up. We'll hear him ask, is your life not more than what you eat or what you drink? Or look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than them? Which of you, by being anxious or worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Questions such as these invite us to, to think, to, to reflect, and it's, it's helpful to, to pay attention to that because when Jesus tells us not to worry about tomorrow, he's not seeking to shame us nor to shut us down or to invite us to, to hide or to be dishonest. Rather, but I hope we can see he's inviting us to think differently, to think differently, to consider our Heavenly Father and consider our needs in light of him. So let's look at our passage. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 through 34. You can follow along in your order or in your Bible. This is Jesus' teaching. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is God's word. 
given for our good. Well, as we seek to listen to Jesus and let his words kind of come in and, and open us up and invite us to, to reflect, I want us to ask two questions which I think kind of parallel the passage. The first question is, is what are you seeking? What are you seeking? And then the second thing we'll ask is, is who are you trusting? What are you seeking and, and who are you trusting? And so we can start with this question of seeking. And, and, and one way to begin kind of processing this is to, to notice that not just here in our passage, but throughout the sermon, one of the, the themes that Jesus uses is that of contrast. He uses comparisons. He calls for his disciples to remember their uniqueness as God's people. So earlier, <clears throat> sorry, in chapter 5, we heard him say, do not be like the Pharisees. Don't settle for a religion that's about appearance. Don't settle for a religion that is a self-righteous kind of rule observance. And he goes on to say, your righteousness, your life must surpass those of the Pharisees. You must surpass just having a right appearance or judging others. And we see another comparison in our passage where here Jesus says, do not be like the Gentiles. Don't worry, don't say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? It's the Gentiles, they run after or they seek all these things. But you, your father who is in heaven knows you need them. The Gentiles is this kind of broad category in the scriptures. Those who are not Jews, or even more specifically, those who did not have knowledge of the true God, the God of Israel. The Gentiles were those who had a view of life that did not include God or God's care. And so without God in the picture, it, it might make sense then that they would seek after such things as money or food or drink or clothing. But Jesus is saying to you and to me, but you, you who are my disciples, you who know a heavenly father, you are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seeking is a key word in our passage when we ask, you know, what are we seeking? Seeking has this idea of what we run after, what we concentrate our minds upon, where we direct our energy, what we give our priority to, or where we place our hopes, or, or where we direct our questions. And what I hope that we can reflect on today is that when Jesus makes this comparison or highlights what the Gentiles seek, the fact is that all of us, all human beings, are seekers, that we're all seeking. And so maybe one of the ways to help us even kind of unpack that is to ask, you know, how, how do you, how do you picture a successful life? What do you see or what comes to mind when you think about a, the good life or a life that is marked with joy? The author, Rene Girard, he writes something that has always stuck with me. He writes that we all, all humans, surrender to someone or to something. We all look to someone or something as an example to imitate 
a, a pattern to follow. We look to someone or something as the source for that goodness that we want or as the, the one that will bring us this good life. We all give ourselves to something. We all need something or someone to seek, to live for. Someone or something that gives us meaning, to set our hearts upon, to tell us who we are, to tell us what the supreme good is. Like what is that we're supposed to be going after? We all surrender to someone or something, and we are all seeking In Jesus' directive to, to not worry and to not be like the Gentiles, we should be clear about a couple of things. It's good to kind of clarify or at least mark some things that Jesus is not saying to, that our bodies or our, our needs are not important. He's, he's, scripture tells us that Christ, the eternal word, made our bodies. Also that he saw fit to take on flesh and dwell among us. And he directs us to pray as part of the Sermon on the Mount to, Father, give us our daily bread. He's not saying such physical needs or providing for them is unimportant or somehow unspiritual. He's not saying that. Rather, and it's really important that we hear this, rather, he's saying that to become engrossed in our material possessions, to seek our comfort or our physical desires, as the primary thing is a false preoccupation. It's a seeking that is unworthy of you. It's an unworthy highest good. Of course, our ambition or our seeking, it, it can be modest. I just want enough to eat, enough to drink, enough to wear. I just want to have enough to get by. Or our seeking can be grand. I want the, a bigger house, a faster car, <laughs> a higher salary, a wider reputation, greater luxury, or just a more significant title and accomplishment. And, and what we need to see and, and be careful about, whether it's modest or whether it's grand, any seeking or ambition that's ultimately rooted in myself, my comfort, my gathering, my, my power, my status, it is an unworthy supreme good. It is unworthy to have as your primary seeking. You see, to set these as the highest good or what our heart seeks betrays a, a false view of what it means to be a human being. It suggests that we are simply to live on to ourselves or it suggests that we can just trust in our own efforts or that we're just bodies but there's no higher good than just taking care of yourself. Or as Jesus asks us, is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing? What I hope that we can get a sense of here in our passage and then in the weeks ahead is that in this sermon, Jesus is calling us to a greater righteousness, a broader love, a deeper faith, and in here, here he's calling us to a higher ambition, a greater seeking, one that's worthy of our lives. And that's why he says, don't be like the Gentiles who just chase after what to eat or drink or, or what they're going to gather to themselves. 
But you, you seek first the kingdom of God. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And this is where we, we can remember Jesus' work, that through his life and death and resurrection, he has established a new way of being human. He's established a new community that has a different order to it. And this new way and this new community is called the kingdom of God. And it is different than the kingdom of the world. And he's saying to us, seek first the kingdom, set as a priority, give your heart, your concentration, your energy to God's kingdom and to the way of life that goes with it. In humility and repentance, seek for our lives, our homes, our gifts, our resources, our marriage and family, our relationships with our neighbors, coworkers, fellow students, our daily work and responsibilities, our citizenship, that all of these things belong to Christ, we say humbly. And we seek to submit them to seeking him. Seeking him and his ways. Therefore, our goal cannot be, our ultimate goal can't be our comfort, our material wealth, our prosperity. Rather, our goal, our greatest goal should be the love of God and the love of our neighbor. Our greatest goal can't be our advantage, but rather mercy and generosity. Our greatest goal cannot be, you know, dismissing or others or making demands on them or using them. But rather, the kingdom says, by the spirit, we are to walk in hospitality and patience and self-control. So Jesus, when speaking of worry, he speaks beyond that to ask you and me, what are we seeking? How do we picture the good life? And are we giving ourselves to what is worthy? Having asked that first question of what we're seeking, then we can ask the second question, which I think our passage is moving us towards, and that is, is who, who are we trusting? Who are we trusting? I came across a poem the other day, which I, I made me laugh out loud. I don't, I don't, maybe it was just me, so we'll have to see if you guys find, find it interesting. But it's um, a poem by a woman named Naomi Nye, and it's 14 words. But the title is Lying While Birding. Birding being you know, bird watching. Lying, not being, not being on the ground, but you know, telling things that aren't true. Lying while birding. Here's the poem. Yes, yes, I see it. So they won't keep telling you where it is. <laughs> yes, yes, I see it. So they won't keep telling you where it is. Now, I don't know if that makes any sense or not to you, but I, if I can, I'm not really a bird watcher, but I have had the experience of someone telling me, you know, do you see that over there? And after a series of them saying, no, a little higher, you know, a little bit to the left, I'm pointing at it. I can just say, yeah, I see it, you know, <laughs> just to end, end the conversation at that moment. And I mentioned that kind of poem or that image of being, you know, lying to just to end the conversation. Because I think it might be a little bit about how, you know, worrying can be sometimes. Jesus says, do not worry. And so therefore, maybe we can say, you know, oh, yeah, of course, I got this. I can handle it. It's no big deal. You know. Or we can say, you know, to others, not to come across as overly anxious. You know, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not worried about it. But the reality is, even as we want to say that to maybe meet appearances or just to kind of not share how we're fully feeling, the reality is that all of us struggle with worry. 
You know, will my health be okay? Will I have enough? Will my son or daughter be okay? Will I get into that school I really want or that land the job that I desire or whatever it is that will make life work differently for me? Life is full of worries. And that's why it's helpful when we hear Jesus' words to, to be reminded that he's not saying them simply to shame us or to end the conversation or to make us hide or be dishonest. Rather, what I want us to, to feel and to hear is that through his questions, he's inviting us to think, to, to, to look at ourselves and to look at the world. And ultimately, he's inviting us to think differently. He's inviting us ultimately into the joy, into the rest of trust, the idea of trusting someone, of trusting something beyond myself and beyond my resources, beyond my plans, beyond what I'm going to bring to the table. Jesus is ultimately inviting us to kind of see beyond ourselves and to see our Heavenly Father and encourage us to trust. He, he does this, he does this by questions, you know, who can add an hour to your, their life by worrying and by making an observation saying, you know, don't worry about tomorrow because enough trouble is there already. But he also asks us to consider, to look, to look at creation and to look at our Heavenly Father. Consider creation, he says. Look at the world around you, beyond you. He uses the birds to speak about God providing food. He uses the, the flowers of the field to speak of God's provision of clothing. And we can, it's interesting, right, to think about Jesus as a human being walking up a path in Galilee that he must have delighted in seeing the birds in the sky. And he himself noticed that they do not work and toil like humans, yet in general they stay alive and are well. Look at the birds, they don't plant or gather, but your Father in heaven feeds them. Are you not worthy of more? He watched, he saw the different flowers coming up in the, the Galilean soil. He knew their fragile beauty, I'm sure enjoyed them. And he also knew that one sweep of the Sith or one animal or person walking by and this object worthy of our attention is gone. Where did its beauty come from, he's asking. Did it spend hours in front of the mirror or great funds upon clothing to wear? No, it, it was just itself, its glorious self made by God. And if God cares for grass of the field that's here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he care for you? You see, Jesus is inviting us to look beyond ourselves to the world around us, but not ultimately just to creation, but to the creator. Consider your heavenly father. Don't say what will you eat or what will you drink or what will you wear. Gentiles, those who don't know about God, they run after these things. But you, your heavenly father, knows that you need them. Knows that you need them. And when we hear this encouragement, we have to remember the God that Jesus is speaking about. He's not the God who is distant who doesn't care about our, our lives or our physical being. No, this is the God who created all things, 
who saw fit not just to make a world, but to fill it with wonderful and mysterious things, things of color and beauty and life. And this creator, God, the one who makes all good things, and here's the wonder that Jesus, his whole ministry has been saying, is that that God cares about you and me. To the extent that he pursues us, he enters into his creation with a desire that we would know him, know his love and grace and trust him to entrust ourselves to his care. Of course, trusting in our Heavenly Father does not exempt us from working or earning a living. It doesn't exempt us from having responsibilities for others of generosity and sacrifice and service. It doesn't exempt us from experiencing trouble. See, Jesus tells us that each day we'll have trouble of its own, so our freedom from worry and care and trouble is not rooted, you know, in this idea that they're all gone away. But rather, our sense of peace in the midst of our work and our trouble, our, our peace comes from trust in the Heavenly Father. That God will provide. That nothing can separate us from him. And that as the resurrection of Jesus shows that Nothing, not our sin, not the troubles of this world, not death itself can separate us from his love. So the message is not stop working or stop thinking or stop sharing or stop planning. Rather, the call is this. Do not be distracted by such things. Do not entrust yourselves to things that are not worthy of their trust. Don't let the seed that's planted in your heart be choked out by the cares of the world. Rather, entrust yourselves to your Heavenly Father who knows what you need, who cares for you more than the birds of the sky and the flowers of the field. My hope for us this day is that we can hear this good word and that we can be a community in which we hear each other in honesty, that we can connect with each other, that we can receive each other's worries, our trouble, our fears not with an attitude of shame, but one in which we receive them and hold them with each other and encouraging each other to not seek just the things of the world, but to seek the kingdom of God and to entrust ourselves not to our efforts and our plans, but to encourage each other to trust in our heavenly father that we may be an encouragement to each other, holding each other in this path. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. And we do pray, Lord, that you would speak by your spirit now into our hearts. Our hearts are so full of fear and so full of worries. And so, Lord, we pray that you would open them up with your questions, with your words, but that ultimately that we'd find joy and rest in you. We pray for help in doing this with each other as your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Darkness veils his lovely 
our God. You have paid the debt we owed you by the blood of your precious son. We praise you for doing all the work required for us to be forgiven, restored, and to be with you always to the end of time. It is good and right for us to join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. And as we prepare to come, I was thinking of our passage and how Jesus says that each day has its own trouble. Elsewhere, he says that in this world, in this life, you will have trouble. And this table reminds us it's a witness to that reality. Uh, the troubles that stir within us and the troubles that are all around us. For we gather around a table in which speaks of Jesus' broken body and his shed blood. But the good news is that when Jesus says that in this life you will have trouble, he also says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Take heart, have courage, for I have overcome the world. And so this table not only is witness to our troubles, it gives witness to the promise that there is one greater than the world, and this is a God who loves you and has drawn near to make you his child. So today we're invited to a table that invites, that encourages us to be honest, to say, I'm a sinner, I need forgiveness, to also bring my troubles and my concerns. But we do so then giving them to God, who has affirmed his love for us, and that he is the one who has faced the trouble and walked out of the tomb as the risen one. This is the good news. Let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table. And I thank you, Lord, that you invite us to come through the work of Christ. By your spirit, please minister to us by this bread and by this cup. Nourish our faith. Prop up all of our weakness and our struggles that we might find encouragement and strength in you. Lord, speak your hope and your rest into our worries this day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. If you know of your need and have placed your faith in Christ, then come and eat and drink of this table. Let the Spirit nourish you and strengthen you this day. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, we're, we're glad that you're here, and we still invite you to come forward. Just put your arm across your chest, and I'm happy to offer a prayer of blessing for you here at the table. Those who are serving can come forward, and we'll come down the center aisle and receive the elements, and I ask you to go back on the sides. 
and the holy elements unto everyone's been served that we can eat and drink together. Let us now come to the table that God gives us. body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith.
And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table of grace, I invite you to stand that we can pray and sing as God's people. Lord Jesus Christ, you have promised rest to all those who trust in you. By your spirit, soften our hearts that we may hear your voice, turn to you with all our worries, and worship you alone as we proclaim the mystery of faith. together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to continue uh, worship through the giving of our gifts as a chance to respond to the generosity of God. Uh, so the greeters are going to come forward, and they'll have a basket you can put your communion cup in, and there's a plate that you can give a gift if you'd like. Uh, you'll, there's a note in your order that if you'd like to, uh, to give to the work of the church, you can also do it through the church's website or by text. Um, I also just want to take a moment to, to say welcome again, especially if you're visiting with us today. We're, we're glad that you're here. Um, there's, there's information pads under the, center, uh, the, the chair in the center aisle, and I encourage you to Pick those up if you're sitting there, fill it out and pass it down so you can know who you're worshiping with today. And uh, if you are uh, new to the church, if you'd like to share information, that would be great as well. Um, a couple other things to mention is that we do have a time of coffee and bagels after the service. It's to my left, right out, outside uh, in, the, in the cafeteria. You can go back through uh, the way, if you came in from this east side, back to the way you came in, doors three, and the cafeteria doors will be open there from the outside. And uh, so hope you can stay after, get some coffee and bagels and spend some time together. Uh, the last thing just to, to, to mention again is that some of the announcements we made on Wednesday at 7 is a, a midweek Bible study on the Holy Spirit that Ozzy's leading. And then next Sunday at 3 o'clock, uh, we have a, a chance to spend time with uh, Donnie St. Germain, who's the head of the, the work in Haiti that we partner with. Laura Carter shared about that. And if, if you're interested, you know, talk, talk to me or Laura. But hopefully you can come next Sunday as well to that. Let's continue uh, worship through the giving of our gifts to God.
we please stand and join us for the doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. Amen.